a couple of weeks ago, uh, I shared that I was going to do a, a little series for a couple of three, maybe four weeks, just talking about walking in victory over sin. And uh, I, I want to say last week, but I wasn't here last week, Sunday before last, I just kind of gave you an overview. And today I want to, I want to kind of go to that place that we, we talked about. I want, to, I, want to, I want to share with you today how we can renew our thought process, how we can renew how we think. That's where attitudes and that's where new actions come from. They don't come from thou shalt not and thou shalt. All right? They come from inside. They come from here. One of the things that separates us as human beings from the animals is, is that we have an ability to think rationally rather than instinctively. Okay? Many of the things that, that the animals do, they do out of instinct. It's stamped in their DNA. Now, I'm not saying that animals can't think and they don't do some things uh, rationally. Rationally think about them. And whatever we think determines who we are and what we do. That's just reality. If, if, the way we think makes us who we are and it, it guides us to who we become. So what we think on long enough, you know what happens? We believe. Whether it's true or not. Any of you ever believed a lie? Okay. I believe some doozies. I mean, they sounded good. Okay, if you don't know what a doozy is, it's a, I'm not sure what a doozy is. It's a, it's a, it's a you know, a really good one. Okay, that's a, that's a good one. It's a southern term. I haven't been able to use those terms in Mexico. Nobody knows what I'm talking about. So I'm glad to be back home. But, but it, you know, I believe some doozies. And, and, and what they've done is they've led me down these pathways that look so nice and pretty until I couldn't slip find my way back. And then it was a dead end. It was a trap. It was a pit. And that's what happens. We, we think certain things. And if we think on them long enough, we begin to believe them. And if we begin to believe them, we begin to act them out. And nobody can convince us different. And so what we believe, we will do. And we are, at this very moment, whether you like it or not, we are the sum total of what we think and what we believe. Now, there's a difference between thinking and believing. Okay. Just because I think it doesn't mean I believe it. All right? I want you to understand that. The reality is what we believe we do. All right? And what we don't believe we talk about. All right? I mean, that's true. We, we, we talk about it. We, just, we, we discuss how much yes, yes, we amen it sometimes. But if we truly believe it, we act it out. We do it. Uh, Plato, who was an, uh, a, a Greek philosopher, an ancient Greek philosopher, he put it this way. He defined thinking as this. He said, thinking is the, is, is the talking of the soul to itself. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. That's pretty good. It's the talking of the soul to itself. And what we're going to talk about today is, 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 is something that happens in our soul, all right? And I want to remind you about this. When you come to Christ, your spirit is made alive. 
It, it, it is no longer deaf to the voice of God. And your spirit was designed by God to control. It was to hear the instructions from the Holy Spirit, relay them to the soul. The soul then went through its processes and relayed them to our body. When Adam fell, his spirit went deaf. In essence, it died. It could no longer hear control. Okay, it was like a rocket, uh, a spaceship out in, the, in space, and all of a sudden mission control gets cut off. You know what the astronaut does? Think about it. Eventually. Because he doesn't have any clue how to get back. Mission control guides. Tells them exactly. Now he's, it's not that he's dumb. Survive. Survive. Ultimately, it will never get him back. Adam began to live and Eve began to live in a world to survive. And the soul took over. And the soul... Its only purpose is to survive. And, and just to remind you, our soul is, is, is that, that part of us that thinks and feels and remembers. All of that's a part of the soul. And so what happens is, is, is Plato said that thinking is the talking of the soul to itself. See, mission control is cut off apart from Jesus Christ. It's not that I'm, I'm, I'm not smart. It's not that I don't have intellect. It's that I can't hear God unless Jesus has renewed me, unless he, unless he has saved me, unless he's, unless he's come to live in me, and my spirit is made alive again. And so that's where we have come from. That's, that we have been a, that way. But what happens is when we are born again is, is the soul wants to stay in control. Memories. Want to rule over things. Emotions want to rule over things. The lies that we've learned want to rule over things. And so our soul doesn't want to listen to our spirit. And I don't know why I'm telling you this now, but sanctification is the process of bringing our soul under control. It's a process. It's a learning to think differently. To think, as Paul would say, righteously right. We've been justified. We've been made righteous in Christ. It was a, it's a legal thing. And we walk out that righteousness day by day. And it starts right here in how, what we think and how we think. Now, Plato said that thinking is the talking of the soul to itself. And it, it amazes me that how profound that is because this is a man that didn't worship Jehovah. He lived before Jesus and he wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit. But he nailed that like a hammer. The writer of Proverbs 23, 7, the very first part of, of, of verse 7, puts it this way. For as he thinks, as a man thinks, literally, as he reckons in his soul. As his soul talks to itself. Okay? So he is. Everything starts... Folks, with the way we think. If we change the way we think, we will change the choices we make. If we change the choices we make, our actions change. It's simple. It's hard to do. Day after day. is doing through the Holy Spirit in every one of us who know Him day after day after day. He's, he's challenging us to think 
differently. To think like God thinks. And it's a process. So to walk in victory over sin, and that's what we ultimately want to do, I need a renewed mind. I need a mind that has a new way of thinking. You may say, well, why do I need that? Because according to the scriptures, according to this passage in Proverbs, how and what I think are synonymous with who I am. If I don't think right, guess what? I'm not right. It doesn't matter how I smile, doesn't matter where I sit in church, doesn't matter how much I give, doesn't matter how many people I tell about Jesus, it doesn't matter how many mission trips I go on, it doesn't matter. If I don't think right, I'm not right. So there's a process that's going on. And, and we, have to, we have to begin the, to change the way we think. And changing the way we think is a part of, like I said, it's a part of the work of the Holy Spirit. He, he begins to, to work in us. He begins to challenge thought processes. Every one of us have thought processes that, boom, when they start, they go to a certain place. Let me just, I'll ask you a simple one, okay? You're in a lot of traffic. It's hot. Air conditioner is not working like it's supposed to. You're on your way to work. You start to sweat. Sweating is not good that early in the morning. Amen? <laughs> Especially when you have a lot of people to see. Okay? It's just not good. And you're, you're starting to boil a little bit. Okay? Not just physically, but in your soul. And some precious person just lays down on their horn right behind you because the green light blinked and you know what? Your responses are not as quick as they used to be. You don't instantly stomp the gas. You start off slow, okay? Because you've learned that if I start off slow, I don't spin my tires, therefore they'll last longer. But this person, this person just lays down on it. And then they come by you and they one finger wave at you. What do you want to do? Don't, don't answer out loud, please. <laughs> all of you, all of a sudden your mind has gone from, it's going to be a good day, I'm listening to W whatever, whatever, they're playing that Jesus music, I'm enjoying myself too. <laughs> you know, any of y'all get there like I do? Okay. The problem is, I don't think right. Now, it, you say, well, it's, all, it's automatic. Nope, it's not automatic. There was a process, but what's happened is the process has gotten way speeded up, and I don't think about it. I just automatically react. I don't respond, I react. And so we've got to learn to slow the process down. It's not just going to work. It's, it's at home. It's with kids. It's with with. with, with spouses, it's with your neighbor, it's, it's all over the place. You see how much, how much, how we think wrongly about a lot of things? We're all in that place. And so we have to, we have to learn to think differently. The Holy Spirit wants to, to use a biblical term, He wants to sanctify our thought process. He wants to work His way through all those files that are in our mind. And change each one of them so that they think like Jesus would think in whatever situation. Okay? Now, I want to encourage you. 
This is a lifelong process, okay? You say, well, will we not get, couldn't we just accomplish it pretty quick? We could if we didn't have so much garbage in our minds. We probably could. But he goes through those big files, and then he gets into those little files, and then he gets into those teeny tiny ones way back in the back. They're so hard to get to. He just keeps working. Apostle Paul calls this, in, in, in Romans chapter 12, he calls it the renewing of the mind. In fact, he puts it this way. He says, and do not be conformed to this world. We're going to talk about that word conformed in a few minutes. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. What's the will of God when that guy leans on his horn and waves at me when he comes by, mouthing words that, you know what, I'm not a lip reader, but even I can interpret what he's saying. What, what's God's will in my life at that moment? Well, that's probably it. <laughs> or just let it roll off. He doesn't even want to go, okay, God, I know he's an idiot, so I'll just let him go. He doesn't even want us to say that. He just wants us to ignore some of those things. Just ignore it. Don't let it mess your day up. It's already hot in your car. Don't let him mess your mind up. So, for too long, what's happened is we've just, we've believed a lie. And, and I want to kind of transition away from the guy in the car for a minute. But we've believed certain things about ourselves. Uh, growing up and even as a, 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 an adult, I've heard, I've been told over and over and over that, that you know what, I'm nothing but a dirty, rotten, what? Stinking sin. <laughs> okay? And, and you know, I, I, I understand that language, but it's not true. Okay? Not now, anyway. And, and so what happens is you hear that. I've been, you know, just been told that you're a dirty, rotten stinker. And all, stinker. Sinner. <laughs> I knew it was going to come out. I just didn't know where. Okay? That we're dirty, rotten, stinking sinners, and that, you know, as we're bound to sin, we can do a sin. And because we're bound to sin no matter what, then all we have to do is ask God to forgive us. Now, that's, that's the theology most of us were taught, okay? And some of that is true, all right? And some of it's not true. But what happens is that belief that we are still capable of sinning and that God will forgive our sins has kind of gotten jumbled up with some bad verbiage, like the dirty, stinking, rotten sinner, and, you know, I have to see. And so what's happened, it's morphed into this belief that, you know what, God will forgive me. I might as well go ahead and wave back at him, call him what he's calling me. And then tonight when I have my quiet time, I say, oh, by the way, God, I blew it this morning. I blew it. I sinned. Now, I'm not saying God won't forgive you for that, okay? He will. But I didn't have to go there. I had a choice I made. The guy in the car didn't make me choose to do that. I did. Nobody can make you do anything. All right? God will not even make you do anything. He has given us the ability to make choices. 
And so we have to, we have to be careful with that. And, but anyway, this belief has, has morphed into to this belief. God will forgive me. I'll just go ahead and sin. I can't help it. It's going to happen anyway. Well, that's not true, folks. That's a lie. 1 John 1.9. It declares unequivocally. If we confess our sins, in other words, if we agree with God that whatever it is we've done is wrong, if it's exactly what he says it is, he is faithful and he is righteous to forgive of of our sins and to cleanse us. He doesn't just forgive us, he cleanses us from that unrighteousness. God forgives our sins when we agree with him on what he says sin is and that we have done it. But you know what? We don't have to sin. I got one that's, out, that's right. You know why? Because most people, including most Christians, believe I can't do anything but sin. And the sad thing is they have not been taught that in the world. They have been taught that in the church. Out sin. I just said we choose when we want to sin or not. That was a part of what we got at salvation. We got the choice back. After Adam, until Jesus, you know what? Nobody could choose. They were just, they sinned. But after Christ died on the cross and paid for those sins, we got the choice back. I can eat from the tree of good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil if I want to. Or I can saunter over there to the tree of life and gnaw on the fruit there. I've got a choice again. And so what happens is we have believed that we don't have a choice. But if we've been born again through Christ and the Holy Spirit lives in us, we don't have to sin. We choose to. We can have victory over sin rather than living our lives uh, as a slave to sin. That's the language Paul uses. Whoever he, he says in Romans, whoever we present our bodies to becomes our master. He's, talking, he's not talking to lost people, by the way. He's talking to church people. He's talking to the Christians in Rome. So we can have victory over sin. Jesus died on the cross. He was raised from the dead to give us freedom from the penalty of sin. That's what happened automatically. When we come to Christ, we are freed from the penalty. What's the penalty of sin? The soul that sinneth shall die. Okay? What happens after death? It's eternity. If you don't know Jesus, what happens? You choose hell. Okay, so we have, we have the freedom from the penalty of sin. We don't have to worry any longer. I don't have to lay awake at night and, and, and toss and tumble. Where am I going? Where, what's going to happen to me? No, if I, if I know Jesus, my sin has been paid for. In Romans chapter 8 verse 1, he says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And that word condemnation there means there's no longer any penalty. Jesus has taken care of it. So we've been saved from the penalty of sin. And and when we go to meet Jesus, we're going to be saved from the presence of sin. There won't be any sin where he's at. All right? There won't be any sin in heaven. There won't be any sin in his presence. Sin will have been done away with. But at the moment, we are being saved. It's an ongoing process from the power of sin. 
Sin still has power, okay? It doesn't have the power to overwhelm us, but if we choose to partner with it, guess what it does? It doesn't work with us. It enslaves us. So we have a choice. As believers, we can choose to obey God and to walk in wholeness and fullness and righteousness, or we can choose to obey the enemy. We can choose to obey the adversary. We can choose to obey the deceiver. And we can be slaves to our own lusts, our own desires, our own sin. Y'all tracking with me? This is just straight right out of the Bible. That's where you get this stuff. I found it in Romans. To be honest with you, it's just, it's just basically church 101. It should be what we teach everybody when they first get saved. I didn't learn this, okay? Most people I know didn't learn this. But at the moment a person is born again, that penalty for sin is destroyed. But day by day, through that process we talked about, we're getting victory over the power of sin. Sin has power, but it, does no, it no longer has dominion. Okay? No longer has dominion. So all of us, if we want to, can enjoy a growing victory over the power of sin. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. It's in the mind, which is a part of the soul, where our new nature and that old nature war right here if you read Ephesians chapter 6 this is the battleground this is where we have to put the armor on this is where we have to go to war every day it's not out here it's not the external stuff you do realize that when you're tempted it's not because the bait looks so good he doesn't look that good she doesn't look that good liquor doesn't taste that good drugs don't make you feel that good but it's something in here it's a desire that hadn't been renewed. You know what? You can pitch a crankbait in front of me a thousand times every day, and I will never get up and bite it. Okay? Y'all know what a crankbait is. Put on it, and it just dances along there. You know what? You can pitch it in front of me, and I won't ever jump on it. If you put it in the right place... And wiggle it the right way. That old bass will come out of that safe place and he'll bite it. Why? Because there's something in him that he can't control. The same thing happens with us. You drag a stake across the dirt, I won't ever jump on it. Especially after this week, okay? Okay, I just won't do it. But you drag one in front of an old hound dog, and you know what? He'll be all over it. But there are things, man. We look at a we look at at a needle or a pill. We start to sweat. We start to shake. You know, if I take that pill, it'll make me feel better. It won't make me feel better. That's just the lie that goes with the pill. If I take if one's good, a dozen must be really good. You know what? She walks down the street. You know what? She doesn't make me do anything. 
It's when I let my eyes go over there and watch her and begin to dream about it, or he walks down the street, and I let my, my eyes go over there and begin to watch him. Uh, you know, it's, it's not anything they did. It's not the clothes they wear. It's not the suggestive mannerisms. It's not the batting of the eyes or the tight pants or any of that stuff. It's something in here that's not renewed. Because there are some things, you know what? They don't bother me. They may bother you. I've gotten victory over them. But there are other things that when I bother you that bother me. Y'all understand where I'm going? Okay, I'm, I'm moving on from this, okay? But that's what God is trying to renew. It's a process. Got to pull the lie out of my thinking process and, and replace it with something else. And so what we think determines whether we will express our new nature in holiness or we will allow our old nature to to try to guide us and act out sinful things. It's interesting. He says, don't be conformed to this world. That word conform means don't let the outward expression, or don't let the the outward expression, somebody that's conformed to this world, the outward expression of who they are out here does not reflect what's in here. When a Christian sins, they are being conformed to this world. The outside, what they're doing out here, does not match what Jesus has done in here. That's why Paul says, don't be conformed, be transformed, be changed. Don't be pressed into that mold. In other words, now listen, we act should mirror Jesus Christ and what he has done in our hearts. Now listen, I'm not preaching at you or to you. I'm, in, I'm enduring the same sermon you are, Okay? Because we're all in the same place. Amen? A few of you will, you know, y'all, okay. I don't know where the rest of you are. (laughs) What I'm trying to say is what we are on the inside, based on what Christ has done for us, is not enough. It has to come to the outside. My attitudes and my actions have to change. If there's no fruit, there's no root. Okay? There's no root. I'm not connected. That's when you're saying, if, I'm, just, I'm just saying, if I don't ever change after I come to Christ, I never came to Christ. I'm not saying if you're struggling with something that you don't know Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you're the same person you were Five years ago, yesterday, ten years ago, the day before you got saved. If you're that same person, you don't know Jesus, okay? I'm just going to be straight up with you. Because when Jesus comes to live in you, he changes the inside. And then throughout your life, the inside bleeds through to the outside. You start to sweat Jesus, all right? Let me just put it that way. You start to bleed Jesus. What's here manifests it's here. It may manifest little bits at a time, all right? But it may manifest in big gulps ever so often. Now, in other words, how we act is supposed to minister the Christ within us. What we are on the inside uh, is based on what Christ has done for us. And so it has to come out on the outside. And that's where the victory comes. And that's what the renewing of the mind is. If I could sum up that phrase, the renewing of the mind, it's, it, it, what it means is coming from believing what God has said in his word to actually doing 
what God says in his word. See, it's not enough to memorize scripture. It's not enough to sleep with the Bible on your head or or press to your ear. It it doesn't matter how much you get in if none of it comes out. The, the, The issue is you pour it in and let it flow out. Uh, Robert will understand this but you know what commodes are worthless unless they flush okay some of y'all will get that I don't have to explain that illustration but you know what they make a tool that you can run through them a lot of y'all have plungers they make a better tool and you can run it through it and you clean it out that's what happens when Jesus comes into our life he flushes he runs that auger into those places in our mind and gets hold of those lies and pulls them out. And we change. And so that's what, you know, that's what renewing our mind is. We replace the old stuff with new stuff. Philippians 4.8 says this. It says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, that's a hard verse to memorize. Let me just tell you because I've done it. Because there's a whole lot of whatever's in there. All right? Whatever is of good repute, which means attractive, if there's any excellence in it, or if it's anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these. What your mind dwells on becomes what you believe if you dwell long enough. So what he's saying there is is just take God's word, for instance, and let it dwell with you. Read it. Repeat it. Drink it in. Chew it up. Meditate on it. And what happens is our minds begin to get renewed as we fill those mental files that are there in our mind with truth of God. But how many of you realize there are more promises in Scripture than there are prohibitions? It's not just don't do, don't do, don't do. See, a mind saturated and controlled by the Word of God becomes renewed. And all of a sudden, the things you used to do, you'll no longer do. And when our mind's renewed, it enables us to make better choices. And when we make better choices, our actions and our, 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 our habits change. And what happens is, all of a sudden, we start to have victory over sin, over habitual sin. Listen, it's not enough to tell people don't do it. How many of you told your children not to do it? And the first thing they did was what? They did it. See, just telling people not to do it's not enough. That's what we have preached for hundreds of years. Don't do, don't do, don't do. You can't change the outside until you change the inside. See, with every don't do, there's a why. All right, I mean, and when I say a why, I don't mean the child asks that why, but there's a reason behind that, that, that command. It has a purpose. And you can kind of sum all the commandments up in this. You're going to hurt yourself or you're going to hurt somebody. That's just reality. Not everything is good for us. Well, nobody knows I look at this stuff. So how can it hurt anybody? Well, it's hurting the person you're looking at because they're trapped in that trade and they're slaves to it and, and, they're, and there's just a, a, a bazillion more. If you don't know what a bazillion is, it's a word like the other one. It means a lot. 
There's a lot of people involved already in that sin before it gets transmitted to you. And you're killing your marriage and you're setting your children up to be bound up by that. All right? So, no, it won't hurt anybody. Nobody knows. God knows. And guess what? Satan knows. All right? And so... We have to learn to renew our minds. We have to, to learn to, to think on things that, that give us better thoughts and that build strength in us. We don't just, you know, it's not enough to condemn it. It's not enough to feel guilty about it. Listen, we have to get to the place where we gain ascendancy over it. Where the, when we rule over it and it no longer rules over us. And to get there, we have to think differently. So I've said all of that. In the next 10 minutes, I'm going to give you four things that will help you do it. They come right out of Scripture, okay? They're, they're, they're Bible thoughts, all right? They're biblical truths, really. Listen, sin won't hide the hold. You'll take this ammunition and you will load your gun. Listen, sin won't hide the hold on you anymore. You will break it off. You'll kill it. The first one is, all believers, everyone who knows Jesus Christ has been baptized into Christ. And by that, I don't mean you have been dunked in water, okay? What I mean is you have been placed in Him. You have been immersed in Him. You have been put into Jesus Christ. Romans 6, 3, the very first part of it says, Or do you not know that all of us have been baptized in Christ. That word baptized, I want you to listen to this in this context here. It means the introduction or the placing of a person into a new environment. In other words, you have been removed from the old environment into a new one. You've been taken out of the pit and you've been placed in the garden. That's, that's one way to say it. Or, let me give you the second part of it into a union with something else so that it alters the condition or its relationship to the previous environment or condition. In other words, you've been taken from here to here and you've been given a different kind of relationship. And now, because of that relationship, you no longer have a relationship with this. If you're a believer this morning, if you're a Christian this morning, you have been immersed in Jesus. You haven't been left on a desert place with no hope and no help. You've been put in Christ. So listen, you are to be as one with Christ. When you go somewhere, it's not just you anymore. It's not you and Christ anymore. It's you in Christ do you understand what I'm saying? It's not, it's not just Jesus following me around. It's me riding with Jesus. Okay? And he's supposed to drive. Yeah, I'm just... just a... All right. So we're one with him. It's, it's not by myself. Whenever I'm faced with temptation or, or, or spiritual attack, it's not me and Jesus anymore. It's It's Jesus. And I'm in Jesus. Do you understand? That That makes a big difference. All of a sudden, I, I'm tempted by something. It's not just me and Jesus. It's me in Jesus. 
which means for me to get hold of that bait that the devil's dragging by on the end of that rod and reel, I've got to stretch out there and almost pull away from Jesus. Does that make sense? I do sometimes when I'm riding with somebody and they scare me. <laughs> Had a lot of that this week. In Mexico, I'll just give you an illustration, okay? In West Texas and in Mexico, the, the what do they call it? Sides of the road. Somebody help me. The shoulders are paved, and they're wider than normal shoulders. And so what happens is when you come up on a tractor-trailer truck, he just eases over. And if you're meeting a tractor-trailer, he just eases over, or a car, whatever, and you just go right three, ab- three deep, okay? Now, when you're running 65, 70, maybe faster, <laughs> and all of a sudden, I mean, for the first few times, it's kind of unnerving. You know what I do? I just... I just close them down. If I can't see it, I don't feel it. I don't, I don't stamp the foot over. Y'all, how many of y'all break stomp when there's no break over there? Okay, I don't do that. I, I don't get, I just close my eyes. And then when I open my eyes up and nothing's happened, I go, thank you, Jesus. And we just go, but, but it's, just, it's just the way it is. Everybody drives that way. They just move over. Every once in a while, they don't move far enough and it gets tight but I'm just my point is 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 that you just you know you just I don't know where I'm going with this where was I going thank you thank you no I'm going somewhere else with it no I don't want you to (laughs) I purposely didn't mention you in this story okay I mean I I, there was a reason for that you've blown it now (laughs) by the way Katie drives really good I just freaks me out okay I got nowhere to go with this, okay? But what I'm saying is, it's, 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 you know what? There are times when I just, because I'm in Jesus, I just need to close my eyes and relax and trust Him. I have to trust Kathy when she's driving. She has to trust me. I have to trust the bus driver when I get on a bus and I don't even know who he is. I have to trust that pilot when I get on an airplane. We do that. We don't even think about it. What if we just close our eyes and trust Jesus? And you know what? Before long, that temptation will have slid on by. But you know what? I am equipped and you are equipped to overcome. We are, we are in a, a, a position where unless we step out of that position and we sink to the same level as the sin and the devil are, we can't lose. Y'all hear what I'm saying? This is what it means in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6. And and raised, God raised us up with him. He raised us up now positionally. Every person in him in the heavenly places in Christ. Right now positionally every person in this building who knows Jesus Christ is not just sitting here. They're seated in the heavenlies with Jesus. And unless I come down from that level, Satan cannot touch me. Amen. That's an amener right there, okay? He can't touch me. As long as I maintain the position I have been given, he can't touch me. And the same is true with sin. If I'll just stay seated. And remember, you know what? I'm in Jesus. I've been baptized in Jesus. Now here's the second fact. Every believer who is a genuine believer is identif- has been identified in Christ's death and his resurrection. What does that mean? Well, let's look at Romans chapter 6, verse 3 through 5. 
Or do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus, have been baptized into his death? In other words, we've been placed into his death, just like we've been placed into him. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. In order that when Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we might walk in newness of life. In other words, so that we might be, if we were placed in him, when he got up, guess what? We got up with him. We just didn't sleep in the tomb with him those three days. We got up with him and came out of that tomb. For we have become united with him in the likeness of his death. Certainly, if that's true, we should also be in the likenesses of his resurrection. What this passage teaches is that the moment, the moment we become born again, we are miraculously somehow, I can't explain this, taken back 2,000 years to that day on the cross. And in that moment when we are transformed from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, we're nailed to the cross with Jesus. And when he is raised three days later by the Holy Spirit, we are raised with him. It happens just like that. Okay? We didn't just die with him. We were raised with him. And because we were raised with him, we can now walk in newness, in a new quality and a new quantity, a new character of life. We got a new heart in that moment. Okay? We got a new spirit in that moment. We got a new name in that moment. Scripture says we are a new creature in that moment. And not just a new creature, but we are a new creation. Our old life died. And a new one was birthed. Now I want to ask you a question. Do you believe that? Really? Do you believe that? Y'all get quieter and quieter. I'm not leading you down a dead end, okay? I don't do that. Because most Christians don't, okay? Most Christians are awaiting a divine rescue rather than a divine and victorious reunion. See, Jesus is coming back for the overcoming bride of Christ. Not for the scared to death, deer in the headlight group that's dug into their foxholes and everything's going to get worse. They don't know who he is. See, he has raised us to walk in newness of life, to be victorious. We carry the kingdom in us. Wherever we put our feet, the kingdom goes. We went to Mexico this week. We went into some dark places this week where there is no light. We went to a village that has no Christian witness. It has a little church, a little chapel, but the doors are locked. And the only time anybody comes out there is to get money. These people that we were ministering out of their house are as lost as lost can be, but they recognized that God was doing something. And when we left, the man said, hey, if you ever want to come back, my house, mi casa su casa. My house is your house. Why? Because we took the kingdom of God. It wasn't anything that we did. It was Jesus Christ being demonstrated through just simple acts of love. Smile here, sucker here, a tooth pulled, some vitamins, some medicines, just a hug.
Folks, if we really believe this, then we're getting ready to take some trophies with us to throw at the feet of Jesus. He's not going to have to hunt us in the caves where we've Y2K'd ourselves with supplies and bullets so when the apocalypse comes... It's going to be a reunion, not a rescue, a reunion. And he's going to step out, and that sky's going to bust, and the dead in Christ are going to be raised, and those who are left among us who know Christ are going to be raised, and we're going to be changed in a moment. It's going to be a hallelujah come apart party. Instead of, I couldn't hold out for another day, Jesus, I'm glad you came today. It's not going to be that way, folks. But that's how we live. Okay, that's how we live. Because we have not identified with the fact that we're already dead to this world. We live, we're dead men on a dead planet. We're waiting for the mothership to come to go to the place where life is because we're alive. We're not like everybody else. But you know what? It shouldn't be, I got my ticket to heck with everybody else. It should be, hey, would you like to have my ticket? Let me tell you how I got it. You take it. And you take it. So we can take a bunch of other folks with us. That's what we're here for. Now, I got to go on. I could preach here all day. I didn't think I was going to do very well this morning. I probably hadn't, but I feel a lot better. (laughs) So the point is, if we've died with Christ, then sin is not supposed to have any effect on me any longer. Why? Because when you're dead, nothing affects you. You can punch a dead person, they're not going to hit you back. You can yell at them, they're not going to yell back at you. And I'm not, just all, I'm not just a dead person. I have been resurrected. I now have a new quality of I now can live at a new level of, of life with a new character. The old me is gone. Scripture says, behold, everything is new. The problem is we don't ever think about that when we're confronted with sin. We never think that way. We think, oh, I can't, I can't, oh, man, Boy, that'd be good. That'd be good. No, no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't. The Bible says I'm not supposed to do that. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Oh, thou shalt. Instead of saying, you know what, I'm I'm dead. That thing can dance all it wants, but it's not going to affect me. That's the point of changing our thinking. Our thinking will guard us if we think right. If we don't think right, our thinking will lead us into a trap every time. So we have to realize we're, we're identified in Christ's death and his resurrection. We have to remember that we're baptized into Christ. The third fact, and this is one that most of the time we don't realize, that old self, that old man, in every believer, that, verse 6 and 7, knowing this, say, where do you find that? Romans 6, chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. Knowing this, when Paul says knowing this, he assumes we know it. Okay, I almost want to. I think I will say this, and you know what happens when you assume? Okay, knowing this, this is something. In other words, that you ought to everyone know that our old self, that old man, that old woman, was crucified with him, that our body of sin, that our body of sin might be done away with. 
And that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed. And that word is acquitted. That's what it means to be acquitted. Is free from sin. The fact is that that old sinful me is stone cold dead. And because it's stone cold dead, that ought to be common knowledge to every one of us. God's not trying to take the old me and do a makeover. He's not remodeling us. You know why he's not remodeling us? Because that old me is good for nothing but the junk pile. There's nothing good in it. There's nothing usable. And so he just got rid of it and remade me. And he remade you. So for all practical purposes, it's destroyed. But now here's the dilemma. We're a new creature with a new nature. Okay? And the new nature is meant to rule over our life, not the old sinful one. And so you and I can't allow our old desires that are still within us to resurrect that old nature and give it access to our mind or to the way we think. We have to exercise dominion over it. We have to rule over it. The problem is our thinking is messed up, though. And we've bought the lie instead of believing the truth of God. Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. And the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. If I am truly dead, then Christ can live through me. Do you realize how in the spiritual realm most of us look schizophrenic? We're Jesus for a moment and we're the the monster. just, Just think about it. You know, the monster breaks out and then it's... We pass Jesus again, then the monster breaks out. But what Paul is saying here is the monster shouldn't break out, okay? It shouldn't get... See, sin has no power over that new nature. But the devil wants to use our old thought patterns, which are still here in our soul, and our old weakness to, to to convince us to give in or to give up. And rather than taking a true uh, stand on what's true, rather than renewing our mind, we, we feed something and we take orders from something that's dead. Our problem is we still have memories from the past life. Okay. You can ask Jesus when you get there, but I don't have the answer for this, but you know what? Jesus didn't hit delete on those old thoughts. You know why? Because he wants to prove that he is enough to deal with them. He doesn't just wipe them away. What he does is he gives us himself so that we can see that he's enough. And when we take hold of that message, you know what? Those old thoughts... That's garbage. That's trash. He also gives us something in that process. He gives us his mind. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 16, B part of it says, but we have the mind of Christ. Those old memories and those old ways of doing things have to either be renewed 
or they have to be rejected. Okay? But we've bought the enemy's lie that we don't, we're not able to do that. We can't do any different. This is just who I am. Gosh, if I've heard that once, I've heard it way too many times. This is just who I am. No, this is who you want to be. Okay? If you're an addict, you're an addict because you want to be. If you're uh, uh, addicted to, to, to sexual material, you want to be. You can't blame the sin. You have to blame the person who is allowing the sin to rule over them. If, if you're a liar, you're not a liar because you have to be. You're a liar because you want to be. It's all choice, and it all starts here in our thinking. Now listen, if, if you're addicted to something, and you're working the process to get free, I'm not talking to you. All right? If you're, if you're struggling with sexual addiction and you're working the process and Christ is working in you and he's cleaning you up day by day, I'm not talking to you this morning. If you lie occasionally and, and, and you're fighting to not lie anymore and you're, you're trying to tell the truth just the way it's going to be, that's talking to you this morning. I'm talking to you if you believe that's just who you are and that's just the way it's going to be. That's who I'm talking to if you've bought the lie. Okay? Now, listen, we've bought the lie that no matter what we do, it's just the way it is, but God's process is, is to restore and renew our mind with truth. Paul's not teaching that we're, not, we're no longer capable of sinning, but rather that we're no longer under its tyranny and we're no longer under the compulsion. I don't have to sin. I started once this morning to use Flip Wilson. Most people may not know who Flip Wilson, but he used to have a line. He said, the devil made me do it. Well, the devil doesn't make anybody do it. They choose to do it. So we have to realize that that old person, that old self, that old man is dead. It's been destroyed. Okay? Last one and we're gone. The death of Jesus Christ is enough. We don't need anything else to help us think right. We don't know to be reoriented. We don't need to be brainwashed. We don't need to learn uh, this theory and that theory. We just need to take hold that Jesus' death on the cross is enough. This is what Romans 6, verse 8 through 10 says. Now, if we have died with Christ... We believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. So if death is no longer master over him, based on what we've said this morning, if I died with Christ and I've been raised with Christ, then who is death no longer a master over also? Us. Me. Me. So death no longer is master over him for once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Christ died to pay the penalty of sin by taking it on himself. He took the sins of the whole world. He didn't have any sin, but he took our sin. He took yours. He took mine. And he died for it. He met God's legal demand. The soul that sinneth shall what? Die. Jesus didn't sin. 
yet he took our sin because we all sinned and we were all worthy of death and he died for us. And because he died for us, he can then give us his life. Through that death, he achieved victory that will never need to be repeated. He doesn't have to die every day. Listen, the cross of Jesus Christ is empty. All right? The tomb of Jesus Christ is empty. Sin can't touch him. Just what this, pers- this, this, this passage says, for if we have died with Christ, we shall live with Christ. If we put our faith in him, we are dead to the penalty of sin. Jesus dies to the power of sin. In doing so, he breaks forever the power that has over those who belong to him. And listen to be repeated over and over and over. Achieves a victory that, that is forever. It doesn't have to be repeated over and over and over. And you know what? If we'll just settle that truth in our minds, sin can't touch him. If it can't touch him, it can't touch me. Why? We're dead in him. We're in him. So if it can't touch him, it can't touch me. And listen, if Jesus did the sin, we died with Jesus. Our identity is no longer sinner. If you read the New Testament, you'll read all the letters. Most every one of them are addressed to the saints who are in so-and-so. In Corinth, to the saints who are in Colossae, to the saints who are in Philippi. The saints are the holy ones. They're the people like us that have been made holy by Jesus Christ. So our identity is no longer sinner. Our identity, if we know Christ, is no longer drug addicted. It's no longer alcohol addicted. Our identity is no longer bondage. It's not stupid or slow or less than or dumb or whatever else somebody hung on you as a label along life's way. Okay? Jesus says you are not that. You are my child. I have made you holy. You are dead to sin. And when you and I begin to think that way, you know what? Our choices will start to change. And when our choices start to change, our actions will begin to change. And we will begin to walk in victory. Now listen, Tom's going to stick up there those four steps. I'm not going to go back over them. But listen. This process begins with how I think and what I think. You remember the verse out of Proverbs a few minutes ago? Proverbs 23, 7. For as a man thinks literally as he reckons in his soul, so he is. Listen, what you believe, what I believe determines who we are. Let's pray. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.